Hello and welcome to uh, Growing Tech Fast, the condensed podcast in which we discuss growing tech startups with those who have grown them. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Anita Breaton, founder and CMO of Cabinet M. Cabinet M is a sophisticated MarTech management platform. Previous to this, Anita has led marketing teams from company inception to IPO and acquisition, has run the Boston chapter of investment firm Golden Seeds, and if all that wasn't enough, is the author of Attack Your Stack, a guide to managing your MarTech stack. Anita, thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome to the pod. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. Great, great. Well, I feel like we've got quite a lot to get through, so I'm going to get stuck in, um, and, and yeah, really looking forward to it. So let's start at the start. How did you end up in marketing? Well, I'd like to say it was um, a well thought out plan, but actually it wasn't. I was working for a technology company, uh, joined them fresh out of school, and I was working in the role of um, engineering program manager, so managing all the development projects. And during that time, um, there was a big process issue in the company that none of the VPs wanted to take on. So me as this, you know, two years out of school person said, well, I'll do that. And it caught the attention of the president of the company. And um, after a while, you know, so that all went really well. And after a while, he and I were chatting and he said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, oh, I'm bored. So I'm thinking I'd like to do marketing. And he said, well, what makes you think you'd be any good at marketing? And I'm like, well, I didn't know I'd be good at this. So I'm sure I'll be good at marketing. And, um, and then a few weeks later, I got called to his office and he said, okay, now you're in marketing. And I said, all right, when do I make the move? And he said, it's happening as we speak, your desk is being moved. So take three weeks, figure out what you're gonna do and then come back to me. And that's how it all started. Wow, wow. so sounds like maybe a bit of, destiny in, involved there and a little cockiness on my part i have to say <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's good some self-confidence some self-confidence not cockiness yep. <laughs> okay cool so moving on um in the last five or ten years i guess what are some of the key changes that you've seen in in the martech sort of landscape yeah so if we look at marketing in general i mean the complexity of marketing has um, grown exponentially over the last five to 10 years. You know, we have all these new channels that didn't exist 10 years ago. I don't know how old Instagram is, but, you know, TikTok is only a couple of years old. We've had Clubhouse come, you know, all these different new channels that marketers have to, to leverage to reach customers. And with that um, complexity comes even more technology. Because one of the things that happens in, I think it's uniquely um, a thing that happens in marketing is all this stuff is additive, right? We don't, we don't, we're not swapping stuff out. You know, we didn't stop doing direct mail when we brought in email. We didn't stop doing email when we brought in social. So the job of the marketer is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more complex. And then now, everything that marketing does is enabled by technology. So the complexity of the technology underneath all of this is grown exponentially. And the MarTech stack, 
when we talk about the MarTech stack, we're talking about companies using anywhere from 50 to 250 pieces of technology at any one time to support all of their marketing objectives. So I would say more than anything, complexity has just grown exponentially in every direction. Yeah, an interesting point there that you said about we don't swap anything out. So usually, I guess when things change in in work in the world, then it, something gets replaced. Whereas here, we're just we're just adding all the time. We just keep just keep adding, and and if you think about it too, there's a person there's a, a person oriented aspect to this, right? So you know, you're a recruiter, so I'm sure you remember the times when we used to have a job description for a digital marketer. You know, that was a common job description five years ago. Now, what would that mean? Is that somebody that knows email? Is it somebody that knows marketing automation? Is it somebody that knows analytics? Because there isn't that superstar that knows everything. So that is a title that really has now essentially been retired. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, and I can absolutely relate to that. Um, cool. Okay, so going on from that, where do we see things going sort of, uh, you know, looking ahead to, to this year, 2022, and, and possibly beyond as well? So I think there's a couple of things. In the near term, one of the things that we've seen start to happen over the last, I would say, 12 months, and we see bleeding into this year and beyond, is more of a focus on looking at the entire technology stack as a whole, right? Because if you think about a technology stack, and really, in many ways, that's a a misnomer because then you just visualize products just stacked on top of one another like building blocks. But really it's more like a jigsaw puzzle, right? It should be called the MarTech jigsaw puzzle because everything has to connect and data has to flow between. Um, so companies are now really starting to look at, okay, holistically, not just the individual piece parts, but how is this stack performing? And so there's, there is, which is good for our company, more focus on um, technology management. But I think the bigger trend here is with all of the data privacy regulations and you know, cookies will eventually go away and the restrictions that Apple is, is putting on um, applications so companies can't get the, the first party data from them. Um, companies are gonna have to work that much harder to acquire their first party data and then they're gonna to have to really work to engage their target audience in a way that they keep them and you know they're not automatically unsubscribed. So I think the job of the marketer gets, gets harder. And you know, the way to solve for this down the road is personalization. And not just, you know, putting in hi Jacob in an email, but you know, really delivering messaging and content that you know, they know you, Jacob, will um, engage with and then being able, if you don't engage with it, to quickly adapt and send you something different and, um, and to do that in an automated way. So I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of technology around making that happen. Yeah. Okay. No, fascinating. Well, that, that makes sense from you speaking about all the um, options the marketers have, all the technology available, but how do we manage that? Um, and yeah, the cookie privacy stuff is huge. I know from like our sides, there are companies that we work with that, that are working um, with solutions uh, around you know, contextual targeting, whatever it may be. And that's something that our candidates, they like to see because they know it's a, yeah, they know it's a growth area, as you, you, yeah. as you mentioned, and, and they want to be involved with something which is obviously... Um, 
the future, essentially. So yeah, some, some good points there. So tell me about Cabinet M. How does that fit into all of the stuff we've mentioned so far? Yeah, so when we started Cabinet M, we thought we were building a marketplace um, because we'd identified that it was hard for marketers to find the products that they need. And it was hard for these new startups to find customers. So we thought we would create a marketplace to kind of um, promote that interaction. But as we talked to um, lots and lots and lots of CMOs and marketing ops professionals and agencies, what we realized is that though that was a problem, a big problem, um, the bigger problem was in managing all the technology they already had. And, you know, what was fascinating um, as we talked to companies, so when we, we set out, we thought, okay, well, we're going to build a platform then so that that makes it easy for companies to manage all this technology. And then we thought, well, okay, so the logical target audience is going to be kind of medium-sized growth companies. Mm -hmm. It turns out, you know, don't ever make assumptions. It turns out our um, real target market was the very large companies, the billion dollar companies. I mean, you would be astounded uh, as we were at the time, you know, these companies um, have no idea what technology is being used across the organization. So as the marketing technology landscape exploded and there's now 15,000 plus products, people were buying them all over the, the company. And because a lot of them are SaaS and low cost, people are just swiping their personal credit cards. And so you just had this complete mishmash of technology, people buying the same technology over and over again, um, costs out of control. So, um, and that was really prevalent. And I think still is very prevalent in the larger organizations. So our platform has been built to help companies manage all of that, to optimize their spend, their performance, to look at things holistically, to track all the integration. So everything that somebody would need to manage all of the details of their marketing technology. Mm -hmm. Okay, fascinating. And that, that makes sense and sounds like it's multi-layered in terms of the benefits that can offer a company, particularly larger enterprises, not just from like operational and financial efficiency, but possibly, and tell me if I'm wrong, but possibly like around like GDPR, things like that. If we're yeah. managing loads of, of yeah, different marketing campaigns in tech and we don't know what that is, that's, that's huge on its own, isn't it? It is. And that is definitely a use case. And on the cost side, we find that our customers typically reduce their spend within 20% with, by 20% within the first 12 months, because you know, when they finally get their hands around everything, it's like, uh-oh, you know, we have redundant contracts, redundant products, redundant functionality. So all of that um, can be taken out. So our vision is really, you know, we want to be the enabling infrastructure that sits under everybody's marketing technology. Okay, fantastic. And thanks for, thanks for explaining that. So where are you guys in the, the evolution of Cabinet? So the platform is built. Um, and we have some pretty high profile um, customers. So, you know, in the States, um, Major League Baseball, for example, is a customer of ours. Log me in who, you know, uh, use any of their video conferencing services is a customer of ours. Cameo um, is a new customer of ours. So, you know, big recognizable um, brands are customers. And we've just started to sign um, marketing tech consultancies as partners, because some companies really aren't equipped personnel-wise to look at the whole technology strategy. And so they're bringing in external 
um, specialists and we work with those as well. So the company is, you know, I, we're still a young company. We're still under 10 people, um, but the platform is solid and continues to evolve and customers love what we're doing. Great, great. Okay, exciting times. Well, mm -hmm. talking of exciting times, what's the best thing about being an entrepreneur? So that's a good question. So um, a lot of times when I talk to um, wannabe entrepreneurs, you know, they tell me that, you know, they, they want to be an entrepreneur because they want to, you know, be in charge and not report to anybody, which is really not the case, by the way, when you are um, a funded startup, because you are, you know, beholden to your investors and your customers. So you never get away from reporting to somebody. There's always somebody that you're working on behalf of. But I think some of the really good things are, um, you know, first of all, the engagement with um, customers and potential customers, that, that direct engagement is fabulous. Um, no two days are alike when you're an entrepreneur, so it is never boring. Um, and I think the ability to kind of build your own team and work on the team dynamics and the culture um, is very fulfilling. So, you know, it's a, it's a journey, not for the faint of heart, um, but, um, but there are a lot of um, psychic rewards around being an entrepreneur. Perfect, okay, great. And uh, you're already, we already know that you're not one to squirm away from a, from a challenge, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what about any particularly good moments that stood out for you so far? I think for us, I think anytime we sign a new customer is, is more than exciting. You know, so it's all, those, it's all those milestones, right? It's the first customer, the second customer. Well, it never gets old, you know? A new customer logo is always exciting. Um, and then, you know, it's the first time you see the company in, in covered in a media program, the first time you do um, a speaking op. And, and recently for us, you know, right now we're starting to be fairly well known. So people are referencing us independently in social posts and things. And that feels really good. It's just a really good feeling. And you know, you can, you can, it's validation of progress and um, it feels great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, taking the uh, same sort of uh, route around what, what are the, the great things about being an entrepreneur, but flipping it on its head, what are the, what are the, you know, the, the terrible things about it? What, what are the things that maybe aren't so brilliant? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if you're building, um, an enterprise SaaS business, right? You, you have to do it with investor money and fundraising is, is challenging. It is, uh, it takes an enormous amount of time and it can be very soul destroying, right? This, yeah, I mean, you, you knock on a lot of doors, it takes a lot of knocking before a door opens and then you have a meeting and somebody who knows nothing about marketing will tell you all the things they think are wrong with your business. And, um, you know, so it's, it, it can be soul destroying. Um, there's a great book by Howard Schultz, who was the founder of Starbucks. And he writes about going into an investor meeting and coming out and sitting on the sidewalk and crying on Bill Gates's father's shoulder, who was an advisor to him and physically crying. Um, 
So I do think, yeah, fundraising is probably the worst part. And I think the, the second part, and this is, you know, something that should factor into anybody's decision to be an entrepreneur is the uncertainty in the journey. Um, because, you know, you there are so many highs and lows and, you know, as you're raising money, you know, you may only have six months in the bank. And we've been there many times where we're, we're down to the last, you know, couple of months of cash. And it's like, okay, what are we going to do? And how are we going to do it? And, you know, if you let yourself get overwhelmed with that, you'll never get anywhere. So somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs got to be comfortable with the uncertainty of cash flow and and things like that yeah okay real roller coaster yeah yeah it can be grace well last question on 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 this sort of uh thing any disasters that you care to share um yeah i you know i don't know that there's been big disasters but we've had a lot of shake our head moments you know, one of the funniest um, moments along the way is, so we did a lot of market validation when we started out and which has served us very, very well. And at one point we were talking to very, very large agencies, you know, billion dollar plus um, digital marketing agencies. And some of those meetings were, you know, we're gonna write a book on some of those someday. But one of the funniest ones, um, we, got a meeting with the chief technology officer at this multi-billion dollar agency. We went to their office in, in New York. And of course, you know, we're two very experienced, AKA older women, you know, professional women. And we walk into this environment that is all, you know, crazy woods and plants and weird furniture and young people and, um, you know, the whole, everything that you imagine about a creative agency. And we had put in a, in a room and then the CTO comes in with his team and he talked at us for 90 minutes, just never nine, took a nine breath. Zero. Yeah, never took a breath. And a lot of stuff that he was saying was incoherent. I mean, he was talking about the French Revolution and all this stuff. And so, you know, we walked out of that and looked at each other and said, what was that? <laughs> and, 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 then, um, and then we got back to our office and we were talking with our CTO who had come from the agency environment and he just laughed and laughed and he said, ladies, that's cocaine talking. Uh, and in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> it was, but oh my gosh, sitting in that meeting, that was like, I think that's the craziest meeting we've ever had in our entire careers. Yeah, well, I mean, funny story. But yeah, I mean, yeah. 90 minutes. I don't know how you can yeah, manage your time and, and all that stuff if you spend 90 minutes talking about yeah. the French Revolution. So. <laughs> and none of his team reacted. So, you know, we're looking at each other like, is there something we don't get here? <laughs> oh, God, that's that's fantastic. Okay, yeah. okay, let's move, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you, as I mentioned at the start, you've sat on both sides of the table here so as, as an entrepreneur and as an investor mm -hmm. so why is it you've chosen uh, equity crowdfunding as a path for your current fundraise yeah that's a good question because um 
yeah, we have a lot of experience on the other side of the table. Um, as you mentioned in the intro, we, um, both Cheryl and I ran the Golden Seeds um, chapter in Boston, which invests in women-led businesses. Um, and I sat on the, I've sat on the board for eight years of the Massachusetts um, Mass Venture, which is their venture capital arm, it's the state's venture capital arm. Um, so we raised our initial funding through angels and, and one VC. And now, you know, we need to raise that next um, really 3 million, but, you know, upfront, we need a million. And, you know, the harsh realities of the world are that it is harder for women to raise money. You know, women only receive 2% of venture capital. So, you know, are we daunted by that? No, but is it a challenge? Yes. And I've raised venture before in a previous life. Um, so what it means is, you know, if it's a full-time job for the average entrepreneur, it's more than a full-time job for a woman because we just have to knock on that many more doors. So we sat back and said, okay, look, um, you know, there's, there's really, you know, everybody is mission critical. We cannot take one of us and, and dedicate ourselves to doing that full-time. So what we decided was we'd heard from other colleagues that um, equity crowdfunding was an efficient way to raise money. So we decided let's raise the million using equity crowdfunding. And then that will give us the breathing room to hire some people so that we can devote the time to raising the next round from venture. And so it's been a really, um, really interesting experience. And so we're on WeFunder and um, our campaign is wefunder.com slash cabinet M. So if anybody's interested, they can go and look at it. It's really an interesting experience because you can take in capital as little as a hundred dollars. And, you know, initially we were like, oh, you know, should we put that as the minimum? Because then won't everybody put in a hundred dollars? You know, but what we've learned is if you're somebody who's gonna put in a hundred dollars, you're gonna put in a hundred dollars. If you're somebody who's gonna put in five thousand dollars, you're gonna put in five thousand dollars. So um, so it really has been efficient. It still needs a lot of nurturing and communication and you know exposure, um, but it it has allowed us to continue serving our customers and our prospects as we raise capital. So we're we're just over the 250 mark, and um, so we'll keep it going for a while longer. But um, yeah, it's been a I think it's a good way to raise capital, and I think it could be an extremely good way for women in particular to raise um, early capital. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for that explanation. And you touched on a few bits there. I think we're gonna go into some of that now. A fact that I didn't know around that, you know, only 2% of VC funding goes to goes to women, which I would never have guessed, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah, sort of touching on that, you've done a lot to support other women uh, that are entrepreneurs uh, and in marketing. I saw that you've uh, been an executive in residence at Simmons College for Women and obviously ran the Boston chapter of Golden Seeds, uh, which is an angel investment firm that invests in women and their businesses, as you said. So, yeah, firstly, like, is, is that a personal passion for you? Yeah, it is. You know, I spent my whole career in startups and frequently being the only woman on the team. And so when I kind of stepped out of that world, um, I wanted to stay engaged with startups and that led me to angel investing. And as I began to angel invest and see all of these amazing women that were founding companies, 
and realize how little they had access to capital, then yeah, it's become a, yeah, it's become a, a lifelong mission for me um, to change the dynamics. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And I mean, if you can give us a you know a short summary or a, a few pieces of advice, we haven't got loads of time left. But what what advice do you have for for women in, in marketing or women that want to be entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I, I think if my advice to women in marketing is don't be afraid to learn the technology. You know, one of the things that's really interesting is that the interface for most technology products is kind of the same from product to product. So if you've, if you've learned one, it becomes easier and easier to learn more. So don't shy away from learning technology. You know, that's the future of marketing, embrace it. And then the other piece of advice I have for women that want to be entrepreneurs, and this also applies to women in marketing, is you don't need all the answers when you start your journey. You know, I think women, you know, because we are held to a higher standard when it comes to fundraising and all these other things, um, they feel like they have to have every I dotted and every T crossed. And you don't, you know, jump in, get started. Don't be afraid that you don't know how to do X. Find a way to figure it out. Um, but don't be daunted by that. Yeah, okay, fantastic, fantastic. And it's, yeah, well, actually such a serious topic and something that we're aware of in general, even those who aren't related to the tech worlds around, you know, quality is something we talk about all the time, but maybe actually, yeah, within uh, tech and, and, and leadership of businesses and founders, that's something that we don't know. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the industry um, through my line of work, and it's something I didn't know. Um, so yeah, maybe more people need to be aware of that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got time for today, Anita, but thank you very, very much for, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, same here. Fun to do. Great, yes. Take care now. All right, thanks very much. I think we, we did well for time. Yeah. 25 minutes-ish. Yeah. And your Great. folks may be able to cut some time out of that. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, but no, thanks so much. That was that was really good. Um, it's only the second pod that I've recorded here, and it's definitely the better one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, so no, that that's great. Did, can I check? Did I pronounce your surname correctly at the start? Brierton. You were close enough. Yeah, close enough. But I yeah. actually made a mental note to check with you. Um, and then I, I didn't. Um, but yeah, go I can, I I can record good. it. No. Yeah, I was going to say, I can record that piece again and I can just put that in. No, close enough. My, yeah. my, my, my French skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was all good. Yeah, that was the fun. That was fun. Oh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Well, listen, yeah, thank, thanks again. And um, but I don't know how long it takes these guys to, to, you know, to process it. Probably about a week, I'd imagine. Um, but do you want me, shall I get this over to you before we put it out there? Do you want, do you want to No, it? put it just, no, just put it out there and, and just make sure I have a link so that we can send yeah, it as will, well. Yeah, you will. And we'll obviously there, you'll, you'll be tagged on our LinkedIn post and Kevin M will be tagged as well. Um, okay fantastic stuff. Stuff. Cool. good stuff um, well listen you know let's let's keep in touch if we can do yeah. anything 
to help with you guys going forwards. You know, obviously, just you know, you know where we are. Even if it's just like you know, what sort of person do we need? I think you knew last time we spoke, and you know, maybe you can find that sort of person yourself and you know, insights on salaries and things like that. Like honestly, just you know, give me a shout, and I'll be happy to. Yeah, help I will. I mean, eventually, we're gonna need, we're gonna have the capital to hire. Yeah, salespeople, yeah, yeah. and then I will be back knocking on your door. Cool, cool. All right, well, listen, yeah. let's get on with your day, and yeah, like all the best to your son. Okay, um, thank you. Sure, he's learned, learned from his uh, maybe mistakes there. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. <laughs> all right, but, have a good day, Jacob. Cheers, okay, bye. bye.